Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. It's recording. Oh, I okay. forgot to ask uh, what you want me to call you, so... You can... What, what are you more, like, comfortable with? Like, how do you use to call me? I, I, kind of I mean, I usually call you Wendy, but do you want to be Chiton? We can do Chiton, because I use Chiton in this yeah. expression. Like, all the... Wherever it's written, it's Chiton, so... Let's do Chiton! Okay, so welcome to Verbal Art. Uh, with me, your host, Signe Ram. Um, it's this art podcast where I interview creative people about their works and where they work on it. And uh, we figure out what it's all about. So today I'm here in Uyg Galeria uh, with Chitton. Hi. That some of you might also know as Wendy. Uh, Chitton Lin. Yes. Uh, who has curated this exhibition that we're in. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Okay. Hi, I'm Chiton Lin, and sometimes I introduce myself as Wendy. Um, yes, today Xenia is in the show that I've curated. I'm curating three artists. Um, Menji Hwan Kim, Amanda Lonno, and Nora Letowari. And the show is called Shall We Sleep On This? is the title of the show. And um, can you help describe the room for our listeners? Yes. Um, so first of all, this is a gallery space that is on the floor level, on the ground level. And the shape itself is kind of regular, like nothing too funky. There's two major pillars in the room that kind of separate some spaces. Um, but otherwise quite a rectangular space, I'd say. It's a nice big room. It is quite airy, like it's not weird. No, and for like a small artist-run gallery in the center of the city, this yes. is a nice space. It is perfect location, kind of in the middle of the way, like of like some tourists' way up to the Hietalanten Gaupatoni, and and then also the, the space has like four really nice windows that kind of sh like people can see from outside, like what's going on inside. So it helps attract people to come into the, the gallery space. Yeah, you can probably hear the rush hour traffic behind us a little bit. Uh, and um, how about the works? Like, uh, it's a group show between three artists, yeah. so are all the works like uh, mixed in the space or are they separated? Um, so maybe to come a, a little bit back to the initial idea. Yeah, sure. When I had the when I had this concept to curate an exhibition like on, on top of this, uh, shall we sleep on this theme, I was imagining creating sort of like a, a mental landscape and to host different like head spaces in one. So when I approached the artists, I was ready to kind of invite them into this, but like 
giving them this space but not forcing them to really collaborate with each other. So in a way, I am collaborating with three of these artists, but they aren't forced to, you know, like, try to come in on each other's works. But when I approach them, I do have in mind how, in a way, what they're working with, their artistic practice, there's some elements that kind of, like, complement each other. But I have no idea how it's gonna go, so then it was more of a, okay, I'm gonna, like, invite these three into the space and then we together see how this goes so it's more of a I feel like it's a lot of trust and like we go step by step together kind of process so all the works are made for this show um, no so when I approached them I I said that I explained the theme which is really simple like what do I mean by show we sleep on this and what are the alternative readings to it and kind of my take on it and why I think it is an important topic. Uh, but then it's it's out for the artists to decide their take on it, like how they see this, how they would position themselves in this topic, or um, if they want to take it further and interpret it in their own way, also possible, based on existing works. Like they would reiterate or like remake it, or like reposition it, or if they want, they could make a complete new work. Maybe we should describe the work so people know what we're talking about. Okay. So there is like a centerpiece, which is the, the largest work because it takes up a lot of the aerial space in the room. Yes. And it's this uh, macrame, is yes. that what it's called? Which is this kind of like hand knitted technique that you would see in like old bohemian hippie houses. They have these like <laughs> knitted uh, plant holders and curtains and stuff. So this kind of like hand knitted uh, woven thing in white. And yes. I don't know it. What is it supposed to be? Something the shape? It looks like two hammocks that have been like broken in the storm together, <laughs> or like big scarves that have like unraveled, and the strings have been hung all over the ceiling. Yes, or like a cobweb or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's a really nice explanation. Yeah, <laughs> of the piece. <laughs> Do you want to continue with the other ones because it's fun to like. Yeah, to hear it. Okay. So the macrame thing is like hanging from multiple places in the room with long strings, and then it's attached to the floor with these uh, red um, bricks with holes in, and like strings lying in piles on the floor. And then on the wall, we have a series of small paintings and two larger ones. One that is quite large, that is like assembled by different several papers, and they are are they all portraits? Yeah, maybe it's a series of portraits. Is that the same artist? Yes. It's Minji, all of them? Yes. Yeah. Who made the macrame? Uh, Nora. And then we have this, um, <clears throat> I don't know what to call this sculpture. It's some kind of like aluminium uh, plate cut out. It, from here it looks like part of an old kitchen or furniture <laughs> piece or something, but it's a sound piece also. It has a sound. It has a sound. And that's by Amanda? That's by Amanda Lonno. So three are, uh, I would call like the collection of paintings, the collection of portraits, one work. So yeah, one work by each artist. 
So it's like a series, or it's they belong together. It's it's it. I that's unravel like this. Mm. They they are all portraits mm. that are made from different periods of time by Minji. Some of them are not meant to be portraits at the first place, but like the more she looks into it, the more she kind of projects herself in it. She sees herself in it, or maybe uh, is it self-portrait? All of them. Yes. Mm. So maybe subconsciously, she kind of included her in in the works when she was making them. But mm, like I would say, most of them are self-portraits. I mean, most of them are quite naturalistic, and then there are a few that are like more abstract uh, and uses like crazier color or fantasy elements yes. or what to call it. I like the kind of freaky one over there that just has like two black <laughs> dots as, as eyes and a big almost black mouth and then like just a round head and the skull is like just continuing disappearing into white. Yeah. That's a nice self-portrait. Yeah. So Minji's idea to show the portraits, it's also kind of her responding to the theme, shall we sleep on this? Because when we talk, when I tried to introduce the idea, I was saying that, okay, um, sometimes when you encounter a conflict or like you're almost reaching a conflict, you cannot reach a consensus, then when this moment of shall we sleep on this happens, when someone says that to you, then you have this pause, right? And then what comes later? It, it comes, t time comes, and then you kind of have to like, okay, well then, uh, let me think about it a little bit more. Or then some people would would have already decided, so then they're like, well, I, I I'll just wait until the next time when we come back to this. Have so you ever used this literally, where you have agreed with someone to sleep on it, and then you've met the next day? Uh, yeah. You've done that, like, let's take one night? Yeah, um, I can maybe tell a bit more, like, how this topic came to me because yeah, it has uh, it has quite a history yeah, yeah. Um, so we can come back to the works yes. it's okay to fluctuate yes. a little bit so so Minji's take on, on on this question is that she's like I'm, I'm the type that usually decides right away like she doesn't need to she doesn't need to contemplate that much she usually already has a decision mm -hmm. and she sticks with it so no matter how much time passes she's still with her decision she's still herself artistically with the idea um, or like a personal thing according to her it's quite different like it depends with her own self if it's like an internal struggle trying to figure out something then maybe it takes a lot of time but when she is in a social situation then she's she tends to like really quick quickly decides and stuff like that. Um, so showing her portraits, it's, I think for her, it's like when, how many time passed, how much time has passed, she's still herself. Um, no matter what has changed, coming back to the, the basis, she's still her deciding on things. So kind of like coming back to that. Um, and in the portraits, it's her obviously from 
like different sequences of her life. Yeah, there's uh, even one with a corona mask and a Yeah, uh, but that is her as a restaurant worker. Oh, okay, with the hairnet also. Yes, okay. and some are made during her residency period. For example, the one that you just pointed out, the Half Done School, uh, it's actually like a first version of this mermaid. Oh, because, painting. okay, so yeah, it's blue in the face, but then it's like, it's only the sketch for the face, yes. kind of, and, and then next to it is, is the fish lady. Yeah, so it's kind of like, she was making a work and she was stuck somewhere, she has to d decide if she wants to go further with it or not, mm. she, f she finds something off, uh, she decides to move on, but then she couldn't get rid of this original one because there's something nice about it that she likes. So all these drawings and paintings, uh, except for that one, all these other ones, um, they're kind of made on a daily basis as a practice. They also like this small, they're detailed, most of them, but they're like format-wise, they're like A4 yes. or even smaller, so it, it's yeah, the one you said that except that one, that's a big one. It's like, yeah. mm, is it A1 papers? And then it's like mm -hmm. six A1 papers that is combined to make one big canvas. And it's yes. this like... Uh, eight. Eight of them. Yes, okay. eight. And so it's a self-portrait, but she's looking away. So you only see like her black hair and orange skin. And then it's like a blue and purple sunset-y background. Yes. Yeah, and no frames. No frames, and a lot of the paintings shows also the framing marks. Mm. Because she has the intention that, okay, maybe at some point these works might end up somewhere, but then it's a contradictory action that she shoved all these paintings in a drawer that she called drawers, Drawer of Shame. Of shame? Because she's like, I'm not going to show them anywhere. Why? I don't know. Because she didn't want to show her self-portraits or because um, she didn't think they would I think I think she just didn't know that they would end up in any shows. Okay. Because usually when she's um, preparing for an exhibition or showing, being part of an exhibition, there's always a clear commission. Like, mm. okay, please make something based on this topic. So then she creates a new work, particularly for the show. Or when she's making her own exhibition, she also has a, a really clear theme. So these kind of in-between daily practice type of creation, she usually doesn't know where they would end up. She might post them on Instagram. Yeah, um, it can be hard with things like this within, I guess, painting and photography a lot. It's like, it's rare that people show like singular works unless yeah. they are very famous or something. Mm -hmm. But mostly, mostly people show coherent series of things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it can be a thing for people who draw and photograph as well and stuff that they have all these more doodle-based or like singular things that don't belong anywhere. They don't like belong in a line of something that is ready to pack up and mm -hmm. present. But you said that you were going to explain how you came about the theme for this or like how you came up with this idea and then you talked a lot about Minji. So. Yeah, I thought we were talking about the work. So we can we can talk about it work, but continue. I'm curious like, because it's your idea, right? Like you came up with the idea for the exhibition and you applied for it here with your Galleria. Yes. And then you curated and asked the artists specifically to participate. Yes, that's so, what I did. 
So what was your idea with like why you wanted to curate this exhibition in this way? Um, so I have been thinking about shall we sleep on this for a long time. As like a concept. As a concept, as a phenomenon. As a method. It is as a method, as a it's just a reflection of the reality and I I've experienced this in the working process with actually Nora, uh, whom I had worked before in other projects. And that was a specific setting because we were working closely, uh, like collaborating with each other and we were always negotiating on things. Nora is also a curator, right? Yes, Nora yeah. is an artist curator. At the time, she was curating the show, but she was part of it. It's kind of like a dual exhibition uh, project. And we were always, you know, kind of, everything's working well, we didn't have any fights. And then, but there was one time that we were both really tired and then we just somehow couldn't seem to settle with a decision with whether how to hang one painting. Um, Out of a whole show, the yes. one painting was like, and wrong. it was like the smallest thing I could, like I don't, I don't get why I was insisting at that time, but I was insisting. Um, so the result was that we couldn't decide, and we were both tired, and we were kind of on the edge of like, you know, gonna go all the way. Was out. it her painting? Uh, it was kind of a collaborative piece. So there's like my input and her input. So it's kind so of like our thing. You both painted and you were both curating. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really like performative project. Okay. So we can't really decide this is yours, that is mine, I decide. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like we do it together. And, and just then, to make it clear for yeah. the audience or listeners, it's not in this show. We're talking about, we're talking about <laughs> we're a previous We're talking about thing. the origins. Yeah, a previous collaboration. Yes. Okay. And um, so then you decided to sleep on it. No, she said, she said, shall we sleep on this? Okay. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like emotionally really pumped. I was like my adrenaline, I was ready to fight. I was like, no, I'm gonna insist on my idea. I'm not gonna sleep on it. I'm not gonna wait. Um, but then she's like, there's no point to, like we're trying to like figure things out right now because we're not in a good place. Yeah. Uh, so eventually I, I, I went with, with the proposal and we slept on it and we went back to it the other day. <laughs> And then, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is nice. We, 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 yeah, your suggestion, yeah. Like, I wasn't, a, I wasn't like this good old stubborn person insisting on my original <laughs> stupid idea. Because it was, like, when I looked at it again after, after her sleep, it, it didn't make any sense. Was the light different also when you came the next day? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, everything was different. So then, I think, I mean, this is a very small incident to like inspire me for something. No, but, like, but it's it's a very. I started to get interested in this transition of my own kind of psychological transition. When you reset, kind of yeah, like the the point of frustration or like the point where this kind of came in into like intruding until we come back to this like. 
I get frustrated. I I cannot accept it. I accepted it, and then I'm waiting for it. There's this physical time that is involved. Yeah, yeah. So you're waiting. And when you sleep, you kind of reset a little bit. And, and then you forget about it. And then、yeah. maybe you wake up. You're like, I'm just gonna still gonna insist, but then I'm in a good mood or not. So then all these things kind of just I have been carrying them. So then it it stayed with me until like there came this. Opportunity to to submit an open call, which is which is happening all the time.、Yeah. But I decided to kind of gather things together and make a proposal. And the whole idea, of course, starting from that idea to like kind of delve into that landscape, the, the mental landscape of all different individuals. Because yeah, w- what's the timeline of this? So when did you and Nora have this experience together? It was in 2020. Okay, and、it、then was when was the、back. open call for this one? It was 2022. Last year. I I don't remember, but it was like really recent. Okay, so like at least two years later. Wow, you really carried this with you. Yeah, yeah, but、um, did you use it as a method many times since then? When you were like feeling cross or something,、uh, that you thought I better sleep on this and then see. Well, I tried. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know you as a very stubborn, frustrated person. Like this is not the vibe I have ever I, known. I never,、you. I'm never like that.、Yeah. I'm only like that that one time. So then I think it, it is really interesting. Were you really tired and hungry? I was really tired and hungry. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting to think about how individuals react to the same situation in very different way. Yeah.、Uh, especially you know in social context,、uh, interact with each other, how people approach conflicts or. Try to avoid like these things. I I try to like talk about in this show and kind of a little bit thinking how these things, the same like topics I'm interested in, will pop up in our working. Is it a thing you encounter often as a you are an artist and a curator? But so in these relationships between creative people collaborating on something. Do you often encounter like the need for conflict resolution skills, or yeah?、Uh, I think it's it's quite a basic situation that curators would be working with,、uh, negotiating and you come communicating work. I I think you also can relate to that. Yeah, I、so、think you need pedagogic skills. You need social skills. Interpersonal because, skills. Yeah. So. I mean, the producer or the curator is often. Actually, this is mentioned in.、Um, it will be two episodes ago, I guess, when this one comes out. When I interview Clement about being a technician in Ham Museum,、mm-hmm. and we talk about like how the role of the curator and stuff is often this like octopus between、yeah. so many different groups、octopus. and people. Yeah, it looks a little bit like an octopus in the middle of the room with the、yeah. macrame.、Yeah. No, but like because the curator or the producer or whatever it's called in different、uh, areas of creative work, but this person has to communicate with like so many different people in different positions, and everyone has their own. Well, everyone has the same objective: is to make the show work. 
but everyone has their own like personal or like priorities and agendas within that you know yeah and so everyone comes to the same table with different skill sets but yeah. also with different mindsets about it and yeah yeah so i guess i don't really need to like keep that in mind but apparently this is just something that i would always think about and my method is that i try to reflect that in the work itself like in the in the exhibition itself i don't want i want to show it mm. um but of course curatorial curatorially thinking what would be the good way to introduce these things the behind the scenes to people yeah because you don't write it plain out in the text like uh, i do you do okay i do i i mean of course it will be correlated to the works correlated mm -hmm. to our working but i'm also trying to shed light to all these struggles of like the curatorial work and well, that it's part of the process work. yeah like an exhibition is not just someone bringing works and like putting them on the wall it's yeah. it's like a little bit more nuanced than that yeah. but also so there is this you call this a durational exhibition so what is the concept of this endurance like that it happens over time and that it's progressing or continuously happening that it's not just installed and fixed what mm -hmm. um this is something that i would have to comment a lot on <laughs> yeah because of how <laughs> um, <laughs> how initially because of the, the topic i was saying to the artist offering this possibility of okay we we are we're we're gonna smudge the deadlines we're gonna we're gonna like make this whole exhibition period kind of kind of a continuous timeline but there wouldn't be any strict deadlines for you okay you have to set this work up by this time mm. that was the initial initial proposal okay and i was I was curious to see how the artists would take on this. If they would change their setup during the exhibition, add yeah. or retract things. Yeah, or... be yeah, because this is, after all, kind of like from my side offering it, but it needs to apply to their work. It needs to interest them. It needs to work for them, at least, to work in this exhibition. So I said that, and artists were replying to it like you know in different in different attitudes some are quite excited to to like work on it slowly for example Nora decided that basically we're working on the installing together all of the artists together in the space like negotiating space mm -hmm. and gradually put it on but then she kind of continues um, until like several days after the opening she will still be modifying the work so she's like the macrame is growing uh, or has been growing it has been taking different shapes okay. it has been completely like differently arranged on the first day and then she moved it and then completely changed after mm. the first day and stretching out a little bit afterwards um, Uh, that, but then, like, okay, so Nora was kind of 
interested in working directional. But then with Minji and Amanda, how they approach the same offer is that they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to work further. Like, it, because the, the point of having a deadline is you, you basically see that as the end of the work. Then you're free afterwards. I mean, that's the that's one point of the case is that um, continuing to work on an exhibition means continuing to work, which yes. means more work. Yes. If you have to come and reinstall your work, exactly. then it's like extra installation exactly. time. Exactly. But personally, if I have exhibited something, okay, now this exhibition is only 10 days, mm -hmm. but if I've exhibited, exhibited something for like longer time or even just this conceptual thing, I have changed it along the way because I get bored. Yeah. So if I have like video running on a monitor or something, I might change it. I might add stuff to yeah. the loop or something just because why not? I don't know. Like yeah. subtle but details, then it's not, really announce, like not announcing the changes. Yeah, individual or, preference. Because yeah. for that, for example, you find it interesting. You're bored, so you want yeah, to yeah. add stuff. But then it also comes to like, for example, uh, not for example, but we had an opening. Mm. We decided to have an opening eventually. Um, so then there comes the pressure of, okay, people are going to see the, the work. So then like, then, then it also affects the decision. Like, okay, maybe uh, initially I was like, maybe I can like do something afterwards. I don't need to complete it. Um, uh, like but then you couldn't make an artwork or like, uh, like I could add final touches, yeah, I could yeah. like finalize everything later. Mm -hmm. But when there comes this external pressure, then the decision changes. Um, so some artists decided that they will just have the work done. Okay. Like prior the opening and maybe just slight touches afterwards, but they they want to be relieved from this pressure. So I find it interesting because of course, like why not? I am also supporting that because I want that each artist are working under this context, under this framework, but like in their kind of best comfort mm. um, so even though it's written a durational exhibition but it's more of I would say that like it's kind of the mentality that is evolving over time because I try to imagine this exhibition as like an actual timeline mm. that would end at some point and the ending would be when we come back to this but this is the duration of, like, after show we sleep on this. Mm. Yeah, because when I initially read it, the text for the exhibition, mm -hmm. I, I imagined that, like, the artists would be invigilating and, like, uh, continuing the works or yes. changing them or that the room would somehow be, like, changing or evolving. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I guess you could say that all fixed time exhibitions are durational within a fixed linear timeline <laughs> but it's also fair enough to say that you had an initial idea and then because you are a collaborative curator uh, you allow the artists to I think do for what me, they want and yeah, not like it's more force important. them to do something it's more important how we together figure out a way to work mm -hmm this project and I mean 
for my part because uh, I have to say that the, the curatorial presence is really prominent in the show because of all the curatorial notes that are spread it around mm. and there is a really strong like eye narration in it like a first person narration which is mine mm. so in a way things are evolving because I will put down new notes oh, adding to okay. the existing text yeah. is it like this? Yes, on uh, some note paper I have from Inji, there's like edit notes. So should um, I read something from this? You could. Uh, Hi. Nola's idea to create the piece, when I surrender to boredom and silence, I find myself here. Freedom and its paradox. Is it this one? Yes. Yeah sprouted through reactions from spatiality and inspiring residency in Japan, time, resource, knowledge sharing, and the desire to make things with her own hands. Taking major inspiration from her residency trip in Tokyo, Japan, for the making of the candle stop of her exhibition tour, Life is Boring in 2020. I remember this one, it was a nice project. Nora wished to rewind the moments of freedom and peace she experienced during that time. Pieces in the moments when I accept that I am being stretched in all directions by my reality, she noted when I asked about the title of the piece. Okay, so you have had conversations with her about this and then you have written this text about yes. the like Yes. So in the way that we are working, we, are, we have been talking, like all three artists, we have been talking since March. Mm. And the conversation has kind of, like evolve over time and kind of went into different directions. And they have been working at the same time on the works? They have been working or like changing their minds yeah, on yeah. whatever they're gonna do, So, which is also part of this project, I think, Look, important. I, ideas, you, <laughs> like thinking and making ideas uh, in your mind and thinking about them and changing your mind about them, that is part of the work process. I consider this to be part of the actual like it you is, are working on something and like in in like from my perspective i want to reflect on that like i want to i want to document that so in the text it actually kind of discloses all these processes um even even this like late addition of a new work uh to the exhibition I also like wrote it down, um, trying to look at these changes and you know transitions from the eye of a curator, in, like working with an artist. Um, yes, yes, I'm kind of in a weird pause right now. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <coughs> yeah, so. I mean, okay, so yeah, initially I was quite interested in this idea of like ongoing curation, that yeah. you, if you would have this ongoing process with the artists, but I guess it's also interesting that you just have this ongoing relationship with the works, that even though they're fixed, you are continuing your reflection and you're yeah. like working with your reflections in like writing new notes and bringing new papers and um, are you invigilating every day? So you are the one um, being here? No, but I'm like more days 
yeah. in here, but we spread the day. Also, don't you think that something happens in an exhibition and with the works when you spend a long time with them? I mean, if it's your own work or not, but just like spending a lot of time in an exhibition, just hanging around with the works, something really happens to them or to you? I, yeah, yeah, I do think so. Yeah. It's not so often I find the time or the patience to do it, but you know, if you are like in keeping an exhibition open because you're part of it or something, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really nice, like, I, I like invigilating exhibitions, mm. if it's my own. <laughs> I just find it nice, like, it, it, it's, it's a nice aftermath of everything. Mm. To like, be with it, be in it, and just be surrounded by all these nice outcomes. Yeah. Uh, like, to be honest, I since it's the, an ongoing curatorial kind of collaboration, I, I really, I, I kept, like we kept things really open. So until almost the last minute, we didn't know what is gonna happen. And I didn't know how the work would, would look like. <laughs> I don't know how the works would look together. And I think everyone's kind of on the same page, but we're all curious. And is that because you wanted to keep the process really open and flexible so that you didn't ask them to deliver any plans? Um, I did actually, but it was really, really... It was really like you share to your... You share to the extent that you could. Mm. Um, so of course, photo references, um, some notes about the process, but... But since everyone's kind of working individually, and I'm the only one that kind of knows what's going on, so they didn't have they didn't talk to each other in this process. You talked we to had, each of them. Yes, but, but um, we had joint meetings okay. once a month, but it's usually really like you know quick updates. Since talk about March, practicalities. yeah, basically. And now we're in August. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. So maybe it's interesting for the listeners that we go a little bit into like the whole this the role of the curator because I know this is something you have worked a lot with like what does it mean to be the curator we have talked about it a lot yes. you and I so um, for this project like your practical duties as the curator what that was like facilitating all this communication and the meetings so you are the one sending the emails and setting up like the Zoom meetings or whatever. And <laughs> yes. Did you have like shared Google documents? And... Uh, I'm a Google person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Try not all... to be, but I. No, but it's really hard. Like there's no, there's no real alternative. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You just mentioned the basic tech, like practical. Yeah. Work, working as a curator in the project, communicating with the venue. Yeah. So... Communicating with. Um, visitors, potential visitors, guests you want to invite, sponsors um, for the opening, press, uh, hoping people will write about you, all these things, emailing a lot, um, facilitating meeting with the, with the uh, each of the artists and joint meetings, of course. I, since it's quite apparent um, that I have this really clear idea, so for the artists it's also important for them to know what I want, what I want to 
work, like how, how, like what I want from them, kind of. Mm-hmm. So studio visits with them, kind of, um, in a very, really beginning, and then all the way until like installation. Yeah, yeah. Talking closely with them and making sure, kind of checking their pro- progress. Making sure they're actually working. Making yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I miss you. How are you doing yeah. with the work? How's it coming along? <laughs> so, uh, of course, my relationship with all three these three artists are really different because it also depends on if they're working with existing works or if they're not. But you example. knew all of them before. Yes, this is also part of my conscious. Uh, it, like a, a really conscious choice mm. to work with someone that, for this project particularly, someone that I know to an extent or have worked before, but then I don't completely know about their practice. So there's this big potential of like me digging into it more. Um, so that's something I wanted to do. Are they all from school? Did Amanda study? They are. They're all from school. Yeah. So this is a. I have to say, this is a cool exhibition. <laughs> yeah, but, but you are all graduates. So we're all graduates. Like, uh, yeah. But we're all from Kuba. Mm. Um, yes. So studio visits with the artists, and mm. spatially kind of coordinating it because, like, I feel like I'm just this, the, the octopus. I'm like trying to glue things together and go into designing details um, to kind of support the show. For example, I had a clear idea to bring my chair. Oh, it's your chair. It's my chair. There's a funny chair. It's like an ergonomic uh, rocking chair is how I would describe it. So (laughs) this kind of rocking chair that looks like it has bent its legs and has like two feet and it has no back. It looks like an ergonomic thing. Yeah, exactly. So you can sit in a straight way. So this is your private chair. It's not private chair. Do you usually sit at your desk with this one? Um, it has been ignored for a while. And because, was it always really green? Uh, the no, seating no, no, no. Did you make I, it for this one? I made the seating for, for the show particularly, the okay. color scheme. And is it for the audience to sit on? It is, and it is a, it is a chair that you can move around in space. So but now it's kind change. of placed. Yeah, it's kind of placed in a in a corner that looks like well installed, so people don't really move it. Looks it. like a sculpture. Yes, yeah. but the reason why it's been this chair has been ignored by me, it, it's it's just because it's really hard to sit on. Like I don't know if you you would be able to imagine sitting on it without sitting on it, but basically you're kind of kneeling on two cushioned pads uh, so your whole body weight is kind of on the knees you have to try later yeah. and then you're sitting your your bun is also supported by the the main seat but then it's you not are, a comfortable chair yeah because it's supposed to kind of correct your posture yeah. so when you're doing computer work you will stay upright your back and then you you're, you're, you will be rocking because of how the chair is designed, like you're supposed to be sort of like, you, you can move on it. Uh, but then the cushion, the, the fabric that we went with, it, it's quite slippery. So then you're always like slipping down. <laughs> so, so for me, it also came to me one day because I was working on the curatorial text sitting on it. Mm-hmm. And then I was sliding so much, I was so annoyed. <laughs> and I just suddenly re- figured out that 
it's such it's kind of such a, a bodily sensation that that just it just it, it's the same as like when you're like waiting for to come back to like the next come back to like deciding on something this like unsettling feeling I don't know what people's take on it will be. Maybe people don't feel it, but for me, when I sat on it, I was like, okay, this this is funny. This is interesting. It's not a re real resting position, and it's also not it a real not. active position. No. It's just like in between, annoying. Yeah. So then this became an element in the space, okay, and since there's a lot of like cultural metaphor. Yeah, since there's a lot of like written materials um, in the space that are you could take with you move around so I thought like an extra chair would do I mean there are these long benches against the window that we're sitting on so yes. it's not we're not lacking seating space yeah. for once in an exhibition but it's still I mean do people sit on this chair do they realize they uh, can yes during the opening a lot of people okay. were trying it on but they're too scared to move it yeah because it looks it's like sculpturally installed <laughs> it's just it looks nice <clears throat> there it looks nice with, mm. with the, the pink yeah yeah sure it's a very yeah. like froggy cartoon green and then it's next to this like very pink blue orange painting yeah uh which is like quite colorful in this otherwise fairly um toned down color scheme in this room yes like a lot of the other works Age. are very like uh White. not super strong colors but it's interesting what you said now this like in between waiting position I guess there is a lot of that when you are the curator. You know, when you're an artist working on your work, you can just, if you, especially if you're working alone, you can just be in the studio and just hammer through the night and just, you know, actively make a lot of decisions. You yeah. can like, I want to do that, I want to, or this doesn't work, or, but when you're waiting for someone else's decision, <laughs> when you're waiting for someone else's opinion and their work and their work tempo you know you're working with someone and they are moving just so fucking slow and you want to shake them because like why is it taking you so long to make a decision or yeah <laughs> and so i guess yeah as a curator or an organizer sometimes it's like that you ask someone for some material like some info and then you're just waiting forever for them to reply to your email or and it's this in between you have to be gentle but you also are stuck in a in between like waiting position because it's yeah. not just about you and your process it's about everyone's process aligning within the same same timeline right and i, and I also think that a lot of people would resonate with that hi 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 do you speak swedish english is better uh, no english yes please uh, uh, there is problem in, 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 in toilets, uh -huh. so uh, we have ordered the car, it is coming, and so please don't use Toilet. toilets after. Then it's okay when the car has come. Okay, oh, do cool. they need to come in here? Not here, but uh, from, maybe from their name. Okay, when do I know that the car is gone? Uh, it comes here. It's Okay, it's here. Okay, then I'll know. With pumping system. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thanks for informing. Yeah. yeah. Because it can, can come Whoa. if you are using toilets. Whoa. Toilet. Oh, that. no. Okay. Yeah, okay, we will not use the toilet. Thank okay. you for telling. Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, I'm from Denmark. Tanska. Tanska. 
Yeah, I'm from Taiwan. Taiwan. Okay, nice. You are artist or artists uh, or yes, we're doing a podcast actually, and I'm the curator of the show, so like okay, they are interviewing me right now. Okay, yeah. How long you are? Uh, this? this is until this Sunday, thirteenth. So the rest of the week. Yeah, mm-hmm. we open on the third, uh, August third. So last it Thursday has already been some time. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Bye. Bye. I didn't know there's toilet problems. No, but I guess it's old housing in the center of the city. Oh, that was nice of him. That's gonna be a wonderful middle bit in the podcast. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Keep I it. love it when there's like random people coming along. <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost track of where we were, but also, okay, so we have recorded 48 minutes now. Yeah. So uh, our initial idea was to do this podcast in two rounds because of the whole theme of the exhibition being this like ongoing durational. But I don't know, how do you feel about it now since you know that probably the room won't actually change? And yes. so if we were going to do one more session on Friday, uh, now it's Tuesday. Do you want to to do that to continue and have just this like that we sleep on it for a few days before we continue? And then I'll talk about the same thing. And then <laughs> no, I mean we won't talk about the same thing, but I, I think it can still be interesting that we that we chop it and and actually sleep on it for a few days because yeah. One thing about this podcast is that I never prepare in the way that I never write down questions. I don't do thorough research or yeah. anything so I believe in the authenticity of just meeting someone and I like it yeah. I mean it's also just I have limited resources for for a project that is not generating any income so yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's a pragmatic thing but I do also a lot of podcasts seem so scripted and so planned out and produced and I'm a one woman production show but I think it's also I believe in my own skill set of having these like uh, improvised conversations. Yeah. However, one <laughs> consequence of this is that every time, like later in the night or the next week or something, I remember these five things or something that I like. I should have asked. Oh, this is what I wanted to ask about. Oh, why didn't I mention that? Okay. Uh, you know. So in a way, <laughs> it's interesting that we actually take a few nights to sleep on it, yeah. and then maybe we will both be like, "Oh, damn." Yes, I want to add this. Like, exactly. Yes. Yeah, and that's so, a really good idea. And also because, like you said, that you like how it commented on the, your idea of the exhibition. So I think we can stick with it, even if it's because if the now the duration or the endurance of the show is your like mental process with it, kind of, then that can totally translate into the podcast. Yeah, and then so um, we have talk. talked about. Uh, we have talked a lot about like Minji's uh, work and Nora's work. Should we go and take a look at Amanda's work and get the sound a little bit better before we wrap up for today? Yeah, actually, I would like because I sort of like told talked about the whole thing of like Minji's yeah like, everything about Minji's work in this show, but Nora's work I haven't actually opened up that much. It we was go. kind of like we can do it later, you know. And then Amanda's. Like I would like to talk about these two. Yeah, yeah, later. of course. But I mean, we can do so an hour more on Friday. So um, yeah. I think for to end it for today, 
maybe it can be nice that we just go closer to Amanda so you guys can hear the sound. Yes. And uh, we can describe it a little bit better. And then, yeah, then I will come back here on Friday and we will continue the conversation. That's right. So the show, uh, so the piece is actually called Confessional Ambush. Confessional what? Ambush. Like someone surprising someone and attacking them almost, or like an ambush. <laughs> yeah, confessional ambush. Yes. Um, it's Amanda's version of a confessional booth. Aha! That is based on like Catholic culture. I'm sorry, I called it a kitchen. It's okay. I'll fixture. tell. I'll tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's their take on it, and it is serving as a platform for you know apparently people to confess. Okay, so we can confess in here if we want. We can confess. Can you help describe the elements? Um, there are metal. I'll just call it metal because I don't really know exactly. It's like I think it's like aluminium, aluminium plates, and then plates. there's some recycled um, metal grid that looks like it has been the front grid of a furnace or something, uh, and has now been painted more shiny silver. And then there is some kind of like chain necklace thing going on that is holding an iPad? Yes. Like small... Um, Details with chains and things? Yes. And latex drawings, uh, latex images from ex like, uh, what? Found that's, materials. That's a sexy beaver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the drawings. So it's a really decorated... Uh, confessional booth, I would say. I mean, it doesn't look very Christian. It looks much more like confessional booth in hell or something. <laughs> it has more of these like fetish you elements, or you know, it's like yes. like with red, not real velvet, but something that looks like it. And <laughs> now we are inside the booth. It's like it's like three doors that are together with these that they can swing open so we're like in this little open room and there are carvings of like different images snakes and uh, little curtain decoration on one of the it's like, like contemporary transi tattoos <laughs> and um, a paper cutout of a yeah, sexy it's a, lady yeah it's a latex image also like a found found image rework of a sexy lady in fishnet stockings and another lady touching her hoo-ha. <laughs> yes. And then the iPad is playing music and video. Oh, we can see the video through the furnace grid. Yes. It is a video collage of uh, existing, like, footages. Is it? Is a telenovela? We can. We can. <laughs> Audio script. Oh, oh. Are we supposed to add the voices to the people shouting at each other? Um, no. It actually. Uh, so this is like the video uh, combined with an audio piece. The audio piece itself was actually created earlier. Okay. In collaboration with another artist, Ignata. Then it has like. Uh, it's this Amanda. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's Amanda. Yeah, so I knew that Amanda had studied in um, the school. We are all from the same university. Yes, yeah. we're all from the same. And the interesting part is that um, 
the the audio piece is added into this this uh, as been, as the audio like. But kind it of. has been combined with the video later. They don't belong yes, together. Yes, they don't belong to each other, and it was an ongoing process for Amanda to, to kind of work on it because it's an interesting thing that they decided to kind of like distance themselves from a lot of really like personal like narration in their own works because they've been working with like family and you know kinship and all these things uh their own identity and a lot of really really personal stuff working with like self-recorded footages of their family um mm. like times and the text is also here like translated to between english and spanish yes. and spanish is amanda's mother tongue yeah yes yeah so in the audio scripts, you could read, you could kind of have a glimpse of like, what are the, what are, what's going on in in the audio, mm -hmm. because you might not really hear that clearly. But the piece is also, like, it could also be experienced without it. Yeah, without reading it. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. people could choose because we couldn't force people to really read it. <laughs> like you know, like it's, it's here offered, but then do you we want don't to know. read the first page so you can be voice one? I will be voice two in in English. Where I, is I, voice two? Voice. I, it says voice two in the Spanish, so I assume that the English is the translation. Ah. Uh, my Spanish is not perfect, but I think I think it's the same text. So if you start, I could read voice one mm -hmm. here. Um, it is actually uh, a quote from a documentary of okay. an artist, but I don't remember the name. It's there on the work site. <laughs> we will add a link to the to like to the exhibition, and, and if people yes. are really curious, they can do their research. Oh, okay. Um, I guess for everybody in my family, there there has always been this like very idealized idea of home you know this very safe place for you to be and and that what family is and sort of how we should all be and in some fundamental level i violated that by being da, da, da. and then it says instrumental yes so then we have this trap so house there is a lot of um hidden materials or hidden messages i will do voice too i think they belong together yes as if you were in a hole, in a deep hole, in a dark one, where I was trying to get away, away, and it was a permanent struggle, continuous pain, that even if I wanted to load the guard, and ha ha, ha ha, ha ha, you know. But in the moment you are alone, you know you are in a hole. I should probably have laughed, probably. I wonder if it has been Spanish from the beginning and then translated to English. Yes, this yeah. is the translation. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so a lot of layers in this work, and yes. people can like physically go into it and experience it, but they have to go out of it to watch the video, and you can hear the sound in the whole exhibition. So it's mm -hmm. like, uh, I think, for Amanda's process, it has been a lot of like distancing oneself, then coming closer, opening up and closing. Mm. So. I think from the very beginning when it was more of a, oh, this is a confessional booth that I'm confessing something personal. 
until it changed into more of a okay, I'm offering a, a platform. Mm. Like you could, it's a mirror. You could like do whatever you want. You can project yourself. But then, when the audio piece is added back, because this audio piece is quite quite personal to them. It's a collaborative piece with another artist, but it's a lot of like. It's long. It has many elements. It's a lot of elements, and it's a lot of like. Personal input in it.、Mm. So when this is added on top of the layer of like found footages, then there's something else. But then I think in these back and forth, it already blurs out like what is personal, what is public,、mm. and how people would actually like experience it. It 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 became really open right now. So I think it is really interesting because the change throughout the process has been it's quite like. <laughs> Drastic, and I think for me as the curator, it, it's it's of course like stressful because it, it's I think it's really true. Like when you lack control, there's always the stress that comes, but it's always been really exciting. It, it has been really exciting for me. Like every time I get an update or like you know like where they are right now, I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's such an ambivalent point of tension to be in to like work with other people because, yeah, it's interesting because other people add something you could not have added yourself. They add something strange, something new, unexpected, yeah, skills you don't have, whatever. But it's also. Super difficult because you like they they then take part of the control or you give like、mm-hmm. some of it away. Yeah, yeah. I think collaborates collaboration in art is a really weird, difficult topic. I have I really want to <laughs> I really want to be in a circle, but I really want to direct the circle while also sitting in it, and it's very difficult to be in both positions. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think maybe that's a good place to stop for today, and then、uh, we will continue on Friday and see how we pick up the conversation there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Zenia. Yeah, sure, but it's nice because this can we have interviewed each other before, and like it's been nice. Yeah, in, in your project,、uh, I have been in your thesis project, and then、hey. you have been in my bachelor thesis project, and so we have this ongoing conversation about like artists and curators. So,、uh, yeah, this is it. Okay, thank you for today. Bye. Okay. So、um, I am back in Ue Galleria now.、Um, two days after our first session here with Chitung, do I, do I say it correctly? Yes, Chitung Lin.、Um, in this exhibition that they curated called "Shall We Sleep on This?"、Um, but it's ridiculous that I am giving all this info because you guys have. Not taking a break, you know it. <laughs> <What> is, <laughs> Just are, in case you forgot. We are repeating <laughs> names. It's a good practice.、Um, yeah, as you can hear, the soundscape changed because right now we are sitting in the back room. Not in there are two back rooms of the gallery. This is the kitchen. Three back rooms.、Room. Three back rooms. One can be used for exhibition, which you chose not to do. And、yes. then there's a kitchen and there's an office, and we are、a、now.、Storage. As well. And storage. There's a lot of backspace in this gallery, and so we are now sitting in the kitchen.、Um, and yeah, 
it's always a little bit I'm still experimenting with this split format of like how to pick up the conversation again but I think <laughs> since we're in the back of the gallery let's start there so um can you tell us a little bit about your Galeria because uh, this is the first episode I do here we are just next door from where project room used to be this gallery that uh, my school the fine arts academy in Helsinki used to have two galleries here in the center and for students to use for exhibitions. And one was just next door from here, Project Room, but it is mm -hmm. closed now. Now the new gallery is in the new school building. And episode number four, I think, was in there with Vanity Salonen about this like motor, this deconstructed motorbike sculpture. So yeah, this is the part of town we are in, in the center. But we don't know about this gallery and it's a little bit special, right? It's special. Uh, so this gallery space, I think it used to be some other galleries, but I have no idea. There are a lot which... of galleries in the street. Yes. Um, currently, this space belongs to an artist association under the same name, Jure. Which um, means night in night Finnish. Artist association. And they're operated by member base, like membership fee base. Mm. Um, to become a member, you simply fill in a form, and they're like everyone can be a member, right? It's everyone can be a member. Um, I think they. I don't really recall like what what the form says, but it's not that strictly categorized. Like it's only for a certain discipline of artists. So mm. the nice thing about this association is that um, they welcome our practices. So it kind of reflects on their. Um, programming they have open calls throughout the years for exhibitions for exhibitions or for multidisciplinary festivals they have a lot of performance events performance, and stuff. art nights mm. music um, so I think it's for everyone and as a member you pay a membership fee of 30 euros per, per year which is super symbolic but then they have like yes. what more than 100 members or something i think they have quite more than yeah they have quite hundreds of members several hundreds maybe which is how they pay their rent the and rent. all the fees because it's yes. quite expensive it's to yes. run a gallery in helsinki it is quite expensive and of course this the rent takes up a lot of their general income which is from the membership fee collecting and a little bit from grants so you're a member i'm a member since how long since before i submitted to this <laughs> open call <laughs> so i'm a reason i'm a new member but as a member I've, i notice a lot that they have they have really like frequent um kind of interaction with their members they have always open calls for different things and, and is it only members who can apply for the open calls? uh it depends Okay. Sometimes they do restrict it, but sometimes it's open for everyone, and you you they don't usually ask for a fee, but it depends on situation. Usually they also don't pay anything, but yeah. they offer the space for free, which is special, which is nice. Helsinki. Which is yes, it's it's kind of like yeah, it's rare and yeah, it's a nice space, and they have limited support, but um, the people who work here they're really like they're trying to help you. Mm. Um, And yeah, so so that's kind of how this space is. Yeah, so maybe if for those of you who've listened to many episodes of this podcast, you have probably 
uh, heard about this topic before about like small galleries in Helsinki and how people as artists have to pay rent to use them mm-hmm. and often also have to pay a commission from sold works anyway even though they paid rent and the rent can be a lot like the cheaper places can be member prices of like down to 600 a month or something yeah. or a few places like asbestos is cheaper than that but more posh galleries can be like 1500 a month or 2000 or something which is you know it's a lot of money if you also have to like um, yeah. pay commission from what you sell mm-hmm. it's not like we have an exhibition and then we just sell like everything we exhibit <laughs> and also what this kind of place um, offers the possibility of is that uh, you can exhibit art that is not for sale that yes. because that's the problem if you have to pay rent if you don't get a grant to do it if you don't apply for funding it doesn't it's not viable financially to ever make any kind of like experiential art that people can just come and experience your sound installation (laughs) or video works you know things that are not really uh, appropriate for yeah for commercial purchase or any kind of like passing on and so this gallery um offers some art experiences and some shows that would have otherwise been like financially impossible for artists to make in public in this it has way. a loose frame to what it actually curates and what it wants to show and they don't charge entrance for they, events right they don't charge entrance oh. uh, they do charge a bit of commission 20 percent okay. if we sell works but okay. i think that's reasonable but, for but like, i mean when they have performance festivals and stuff the audience is free yeah it's exactly free. um yeah, and I mean, so, yeah. if they offer the space for free, then taking commission is super fine. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, so so the financial structure of this gallery, and I guess, I don't know how many art-run, artist-run, like, gallery associations do this, but the, the way that they're financing it is by having such a low membership fee that they have that many members who pay symbolically, who might not have a show in years here, you know? It's not like yeah. you're a member and you have a show every year. Maybe you're a member for five years before you're selected for a show. But then, you know, it's such a low membership fee that maybe you don't mind to be part of this like art association and help support a place. It really depends. I think people have their own preferences. Definitely. But for you, like I recently spoke to the chairperson Mm -hmm. and he was saying that, yeah, like um, we have so many different open calls throughout the year. Sometimes it's for this public joint publication sometimes it's for a festival and usually you can participate without the fee Mm -hmm. um and free space for you so so actually the members are very active in this space there are there are quite active members but he shared with me that most of the time not many people applied so yeah that's also the thing so it's also showing how like well there's so much like idealization of oh yeah we have this free space and we don't really limit who can participate but still circumstances shows that like some sometimes not people wouldn't um still participate so like Hmm. i don't know but they do also do a lot of really (laughs) should i greet them yeah you can i have a great look (laughs) there are guests in the gallery on the other side of the wall so Wendy has gone to say hi. Hi. 
<laughs> okay. I'm back. Sorry, is any. <laughs> no, it's fine. I will just edit it out of the silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, Was it mm-hmm. someone you knew? Ah, uh, it's my friends. Mm. Yeah. Is it okay for you to do the talk while they're here? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't actually know that much about Uya Galeria. I'm not a member. I just know one of the board members, mm-hmm. and of course, I've been to some shows here. But I do know that it's a thing in Helsinki that a lot of artists. Um, groups who go together to like uh, communally, democratically self-organize. They are revolving around gallery spaces because that's what the artists need here because they can't afford. It's not normal in every city that people have to pay rent in this way for gallery spaces. Yeah. Um, as, as these not as the standard. So in Helsinki, this is what a lot of artists need. So that's what a lot of artists do. In other cities, artist groups might revolve around other kind of venues, um, like alternative. Spaces. I don't know. In, in Denmark, I've been part of a lot of like spaces that were like uh, f- for concerts or mm-hmm. this kind of yeah event based. But I do. I don't know how other people feel, but. Personally, I feel like it's super important to recognize these spaces um, where you are and realize that even if you don't use them all the time, it can be really valuable for them to have members. And so those of them that offer like super cheap membership status, sometimes it's also just because funding is better if they have more membership numbers and stuff. Yes. So even like a tiny symbolic support that you... I mean, I don't have great finances being an art student and stuff, but but for years I was still supporting as a member of this place in Denmark called Magwagel, mm-hmm. which is this big old tile factory in the countryside that is like um, self-run as this like autonomous free culture space um, with all sorts of things um, because it's an important place like these uh, these these self-organized groups and these spaces that they do, what they offer is important. So I think, yeah, those listening, if you have a local volunteer or like culture venue, something that offers like really cheap membership, consider (laughs) being a patron of the arts, man. I mean, yeah. yeah. And And so maybe it has a lot of members who don't apply to the open call, but they do acknowledge that these groups and these places these gallery spaces in the center of the city mm-hmm. you know like if we don't hold on to them now we're never going to get them again right in in like the bottom feeder level of the art world <laughs> yeah because struggling to they also need to rely on grants exactly. so like competing against probably other organizations or entities that don't offer free spaces. Or... And posh galleries that have a different kind of like financial structure yeah. to rely their whole um, budget on. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, I think it's for us, like practitioners, to try to shape these spaces when they already open the doors for us. To yeah. try to like make use of the resource if there's already limited resource. And also to recognize that it, there's a difference to spaces run by artists and spaces not run by artists. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's often emphasized when something is artist run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because there is a difference to it. Um, 
which is something also, it's a little bit of a different topic, but it's something I think is reflected a lot in the art academy, for instance, that there's like the teaching staff who are artists, and then there's like the administrative staff and the administration making decisions. And those are different entities with different knowledge and different agendas in a way within the same objective like generally of making the school work mm. it's still like people come from different mindsets and understandings of what is needed and what is difficult yeah. and I think that's a good segue back to you organizing this exhibition because <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah you <laughs> thought you could see that happening uh, <laughs> I was trying like I feel yeah. like we were, it's about time to right? address that <laughs> yeah it is uh and um, so because it's also often now people emphasize that they are artist curators which the first time I saw it I thought it was a funny way to frame to voice it like or mm -hmm. to like to call it that I'm an artist curator yeah. but it is because not all curators are also practicing artists yes yes but you are both um, yeah I I think it's again it's about like how you define it um, But for me, I wouldn't use a hyphen. I wouldn't call myself artist hyphen curator, artist curator. No. Um, because How do you call it? I would say that I'm a curator and an artist. Okay. Because I think it comes back to like how I have developed my practice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I started making art, creating art, um, kind of at the same time when I started to curate. So for me, it's still a separate practice. But which which one did? But where is your like backbone or your roots? What? My background is in psychology. Okay. I studied. <laughs> I wasn't completely wasn't in the arts field uh, before okay. I get my masters. I mean, I have a lot of experience um, working with production, like mm -hmm. theater or in um, festivals, art or music. And I've organized uh, art book fairs with other fellow artists in, mm. in Taiwan. But I wasn't in the academy. Okay, so, and you weren't like actively a performance artist or anything? Um, I, I wouldn't call myself that. Mm. Like I, I wouldn't, I find it hard to take on these titles for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting for me how some people, some fellow curators are, uh, who has an artist background, they would call themselves an artist curator because mm. maybe they have that knowledge of artistic practices, they know how artist works, which I think is the really important part. They want to emphasize that they're not just a curator, but that yes. they are also creating work. Like um, artworks. I mean, I think yeah, curation is also creation, but I think is, I mean there is definitely a difference. There is a reason why people choose to emphasize it, right? Yeah, and I feel like even using the same term, people have a different definition to it. So it's yeah, we always have to ask like, what do you mean by <laughs> how? Why do you go by that? And we don't want to assume. Um, mm. But yeah, for example, in this project I, I tried to position myself as a curator mm. because you don't have any work in the exhibition except yeah. you have all the text so it... yeah but for me because I, I kind of see I kind of like approach creating an exhibition or creating something 
also like a process, just a process, just like making an art piece. Yeah, yeah. And every time I approach a project, I would kind of try to see how I want to position myself. So in this one, I see myself as a curator. So then I know that I would focus on, for example, working with the artists, finding cohesion in their works, or like、mm. trying to go towards the curatorial part. Put the curator of, hat on, and then you、yes. like know what that job entails. Yeah, because、um, I think even if I am working as the curator, I can have a lot of curator input in the process.、Mm. Um, So in this project, I, I've been doing that, hence、uh, the curatorial notes, and also like kind of decision making in how to present those things, how to present the artworks, how to make everything work in the space, and、mm-hmm. to add a little bit touch. For example, I arranged this little chair installation in the space, space、uh, to kind of in, introduce another way of experiencing the the show. So like all these little things. Mm-hmm. That are not taken as the artwork, but it's an important part of the exhibition experience. I see that as my work. You are like choreographing the audience a little bit. Yeah, but I think it's really hard to choreograph. That yeah,、one. no, no. I just wanted to say it because in the la- <laughs> in the last episode,、um, I talked with Laura Talbury about that about like how some artists. Or how she said that in the space, she, it's really important for her how she places the works and like so she f- imagines people entering the room and then like what route that she wants them to take around the works、yeah. and stuff. And so when it's a group show like this, the artists, unless they meet and all talk collectively about these things, like then、mm-hmm. they might just very much individually be focused on how their own work presents itself best in the space and then.、Yes. That is where a curator can come in with like an overview look、yeah. and say, "Yeah, sure, your works look good individually, but now together,、mm-hmm. there is like a dissonance in like how we want the space to function." Yeah, and I think it's there's an importance of us all being present in the in the space during、mm-hmm. the installation to physically、so、then, be there together. Yeah, so yeah. we actually see and feel, and we negotiate on the spot because also. Having your artwork in the studio and then bringing it out of the studio into the gallery space is something、yeah. that can change the whole world about the work, how it feels, the scale of it, like how、mm-hmm. it, maybe it doesn't work on the wall as you wanted it to. Maybe、yeah. you can't hang it in the way you wanted to hang it because that happened. That <laughs> happened here. Yeah. With which work? Well, it it was more about like the walls being extra slippery for no reason, and so for Minji's. Pictures, yeah, they fell down. So in because in this exhibition we don't we're not going for frames. Yeah, partly because we don't have the budget for it.、Uh, we're operating on zero budget.、Mm. Uh, partially because of how like the concept.、Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been using tapes and some magnets and some nails, but the artist has her own preference on like I whether to nail some parts of the paintings. So yeah, we've been working with all these different、uh, materials, and they just keep falling. Because <laughs> and and now it's this is not the kind of production where there is like all these extra roles. So in a bigger production, there would be a technician working. Yeah. I, like I talked with Clément Bureau in Ham two episodes ago about. Yeah, in a big place like there, there is like. 
conservator, a curator, a producer, a technician, an artist, all these different people who all are focusing on making one small area of the same work perfect. And then they all like find a compromise. So, you know, the, <laughs> a technician might be able to say, I know these walls, I know this is possible, this is not possible. Yeah, yeah. But in smaller self-organized places like this, we have to know a lot of things and we have to learn yeah. a lot of things. We're also the ones to put the works back up. Yeah. Because we're also the invigilators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is definitely like just something like tape that is slipping on a wall can be a big issue. I mean, if that is how you want <laughs> it. It is an issue. You know, and if it's late in the night and you can't buy new tape or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, at the end of the day, it's about like how we want to present ourselves. So Yeah, because of course it does make a difference. Yeah, like we, we are aware, like no matter what the, the concept is suggesting, after all, we want to... We want... We want to present a good impression for people. We want people to like it. So Yeah, yeah. and of course yeah. for an artist with a drawing or a painting on the wall, it can make a huge difference if how it is hung. Yeah. Like a frame or no frame, it, yeah. it changes like a lot of reading of the painting. Yes, so Exactly. Um so do you feel when you are like as you say, acting, positioning yourself as the curator in a show like this, do you feel mm -hmm. like, are you performing the role of the curator? Is it like a... You said you use the word position, but is it also like that you embody this archetype or this specific like part of yourself that you can employ? Or Because, I mean, you bring all of your artist knowledge and background and you bring all of your psychology and everything is part of you. So then you step into the role of the curator mm -hmm. or, yeah, how is it different? How are you not just you in all of these different roles? Um, whoa, that, that's, a, that's a big question. It was a very it's long a, question, a sorry. Question. So, well, I, I wouldn't, uh, I, would, I would say that I'm still, pro, pro, I'm still me. Yeah, uh, yes, of course. In um, this show and something I'm interested in doing is to also present the artists as themselves. Like it's mm. it's a show of me, Chiton, and then there's Minji, there's Lono, mm -hmm. there's Nora. Like of course we have the hat where we have the hats of artists, the curators, and we're a painter, we're a sculptor, whatever. But I want to highlight the personality and the background of each of our, us individuals working in the process. So for me, I think as a curator, I'm still approaching this project um, thinking about what I care about, like what I want to show. Not, I mean, as a curator, I have kind of this... Mm, I have the power to do that. I, w mm. I can be like... I, I can have this ground that I could decide on what to show and what not to show and how to want like how I want to direct things and you choose the artists to start with you have chosen them right yes so yeah. there's a lot of like these things that of course already have an influence on mm -hmm. uh, which I also want to kind of highlight in this show by like writing them down in the curatorial notes 
so people know like okay this just this didn't just happen like boom in the, in the space the curatorial notes which you have now transparently displayed as part of the exhibition yes. in there which i think is a nice touch that people can um stay and like uh if they wish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stay with the work and, and read, because, of course, it takes longer time to sit. But, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of big exhibition text on the wall, that you have to mm. read this whole, like, novel on the wall before entering a show, and <laughs> otherwise you won't be able to understand it. Yeah. I think it's much nicer to include text as a work in itself. That's what I'm aiming for. Exactly. Yeah. And then, because then I can approach it as I choose to look at this work, which obviously mm -hmm. requires me to engage mm -hmm. for a longer time. But you know, it's like sitting down for a video work. That's a yeah. choice you make. It's like, it's, and it's fine if you don't have the patience for that. Mm -hmm. But if you do, maybe it's really captivating for you. Yeah. And so I don't mind a lot of text as long as it like has its own like existential grounds somehow mm -hmm. in this way. So I think it's nice to add it as kind of like a, an artist curator work. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this project, the, the way I curated it, it's pretty artistic. It's it's more like I kind of see, like I approach the exhibition making as, approach, like making an artwork itself. Yeah, and I think that's a really nice way too. Yeah, uh, because of course. it's not everyone who does that, I guess. Mm. It's, um, and there's many, many different methods and I've also yeah. been kind of reflecting on all like all these different options that I could have choosed and how the outcome would differ and oh, kind of questioning you, you were imagining if you had done it differently yeah or did you do it already before choosing how to do it oh no I, I mean I sort of like intuition intuitively went with some options mm -hmm. but then after I've done it I, I'm also all the time thinking like what if I Uh, had this long text on the wall what if I mm -hmm. printed a brochure what if I uh, wrote the text on the walls because all these small differences really it, it gives off a complete reading to the same text yeah I mean it feels like subtle uh, tiny details but it's like yeah. it's it's subliminal it's It's art. It's like if someone had used darker shades in a painting, it would feel in a different way, you know? Yeah. It's So you are right. That is yeah. the finesse of, of something. And I think in this project, like fortunately, all the artists are really kind of... They're fav in favor of like having a dialogue with me. So mm -hmm. usually sometimes when, I'm, when I am a bit unsure which direction to go, I would talk to them and then they're like, what if you do this? What if you do that? Which is a method to have communication-based yeah. uh, enduring process together yeah. as like, um, because it becomes a feedback, right? Yeah. So it becomes this loop of like and knowledge and info yeah, and, and ideas. it's more about like, oh, this is us together presenting something. Mm -hmm. So of, of course I want to have their voices in, but I also see how I should be the one that takes kind of like the The, most of the responsibility, the responsibility on deciding on something. Have you made uh, decisions where you were like, I'm gonna cut in and like make a, an overall curatorial decision now for the show? Well, I think, I think I've been doing that. Uh, I mean, for example, like how, um, how I told them that okay, I'm gonna like write the curatorial text this way. I'm gonna uh, showcase the process. I'm gonna 
include some reflective thoughts. Like all these things, is a conscious choice, and I informed、mm-hmm. the artist, but. I was pretty determined already that I'm gonna do it this way because this is something I really wish to do in this project. So you didn't ask them, do you think I should do this, or would you be okay with me doing it? You just、uh, informed I'm gonna do well, it. Well, I think I did ask for consent. Like it's more like I I decided I'm gonna do it this way,、mm-hmm. and I told them, and I was like, is it fine? Yeah, sure.、Uh, of course, if someone wouldn't like that, or if Um, yeah, like if someone wanted like that, I would of course change a way to do it, and I, yeah, like that was kind of like how I wanted to approach it because,、mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty much was asking them a lot, asking them all the time, like should I do this? Do you think it's okay? Like asking so many questions, but at some point it became a bit of a burden for them probably because I, I think they... honestly people don't want to be asked to take responsibility or like <laughs> decision making within every a little area. That is kind of like why you have roles like a curator、yeah. or producer, it's so、yeah. that the artists don't have to worry about these、mm-hmm. practical little things <laughs> in the background. So they can focus on the so、works. they can focus on what is important to、yeah. them. That is something as an organizer that I have learned a lot through the years. I used to think that transparency was the most important.、Mm-hmm. So in any kind of like leadership or organizer role, I would give pass all the info on, like volumes of info, so that people were informed about everything in the process. And then, but you know, when you are given the info, you also expect people to know it somehow. And you know, people didn't want to read all this stuff. So like, yeah, it happened. You know, it happened. <laughs> but, but, so it's. But、uh, I think I sort of I was preparing for it. So like, breaking the volume into segments, like breaking the information in se- into segments and informing them in different ways,、uh, repeating and、I、you think, know, like、yeah. trying to facilitate so that everyone has the same amount of information. At least to the same level. I think one thing that I decided at one point is that part of what I think is is my role curating is also to curate the info flow. So、mm-hmm. um, to realize what is important for whom to、yes. know, and then only give them the questions or the answers that they actually need. And that is part of like curating, like knowing how the works will function, and like, but also knowing the people you work with.、Mm-hmm. So some people, you know, that you can't reach them on email; you have to call them,、yeah. and you know, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's these the、things. art of communication. Exactly, and so, and some people, you know, they don't mind reading long emails and knowing a lot of info; they can like comprehend this a large part of the process, and other people. They are better with like only being told the necessities of what is relevant for them, because otherwise they like、uh, forget or yeah they are more focused on their、yeah. own pro- process. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's nice to, like curation as this like kind of like overall responsibility of knowing what goes where and when and、mm. like what is the best.、Um, Way to put the puzzle together because it is a puzzle, right? It is. And yes. <laughs>、oh, yes. I, I mean, if I feel the same when I curate a film program, I'm like, 
all these films, there's a right order. I know it exists. I just have to find it. Like the material... Yeah, can, you have to always find it. The material can <laughs> say something, but you need to like figure it out. And so in a show like this, like in a group show, it's also like there is a right a way to put the ecology together of, yeah. of it. But you have to like... But uh, I really think the most intriguing part of the curatorial process is that like you, you, you are working with the puzzle mm. and you... For example, you didn't know what the picture you are puzzling. Like, you don't know what, what is the outcome of the puzzle. No, exactly. But then you collect elements, and then the elements start to speak to each other. Yeah, and the picture starts and to, then, like, slowly come out. And then you're like, out. oh my god, I know what this, this is. So exactly. that, 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 that is a really rewarding process. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I Of course, I chose the artists. I chose yeah. to invite them into the project, but um, they're really different. They're really, really different in, in terms of their background or what they do and yeah. the style. I mean, even like the aesthetic style, it it's, could be clashing. It's like three it, super different It is things. really, really clashing. And that's like, I haven't told much uh, to anyone, but it's kind of, for me, it's fun. Yeah. I, I want to see how clashing it would be because I just never would imagine three of them being together in one space but in a way the room is still fairly minimal even yeah. though even though there are a lot of works in there mm -hmm. and that they are kind of clashing yeah in a way it still feels minimal enough that it's not like choking you or yeah mm. so, I think yeah. yeah maybe it's because the paintings are so small so even though and there are many so like um maybe it's because of good curation maybe it's because <laughs> of good curation no but I mean um uh, yeah. I don't know, it's not like all the works, it's not like three massive pieces like fighting with each other, you know? Mm. In a way, it's like if it had been like two, two huge sculptures and like a lot yeah. of big paintings or yeah. then, yeah. Yeah, because I facilitated joint meetings. We mm -hmm. had once a month joint meetings uh, online. <laughs> sometimes we tried to meet, but sometimes online. So that is the only time that we kind of come together and then like kind of update each other's process so did the artists see each other's work in the process uh, not like you know through through the, the meetings mm. some photos or images or text mm -hmm. references but not that we would see it in person so people we've been always just imagining but you know from hearing what the others are doing but they were informed about each yeah, other's yeah, work yeah, yeah. yeah i mean like from the uh, for for a while, but then yeah, I know, but it's not always the case, right? Yeah, like for the group show, sometimes people have yeah. no idea who the other artists in an yeah. event is. Yeah. Or yeah. I try. I think it's quite essential in mm -hmm. this project, even though I'm not trying to force them to work with each other. And <laughs> now you are friends. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's their own individual work. And yeah, even yeah, though yeah. they're gonna be put together, it's just I think it's a form. Like we do this, we. We update each other, but mm -hmm. you don't need to care too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I care, but the others don't need to. No, but but I think it still helped to like kind of help uh, each of us before the actual exhibition to like imagine, okay, how this might go with each other. Oh, you're gonna show a series of paintings. Are oh, you gonna make this sculpture? Oh, okay. So I think that kind of works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To prep. I think it's a little bit, I get this mental image of you holding like three strings in your hand. And so instead of these strings just being normal long string in all directions, 
you have chosen to have it as like um, elastic string. So you make sure that they are like bouncing back and forth and like meeting each other on the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a nice, nice image. Thank you. I'm really practicing with the metaphors in this uh, podcast because I think people need visual images. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite like, it's quite that. And I, I mean, personally, this is interesting to me because I, yeah. I feel like, I have imagined myself curating in all these different methods. And you've studied it for two years, right? You've studied curating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but like in the academy where I know you from, it's a yeah. two-year study program just focused on curation as a method. Yeah. And I just find a lot of the... Like, I, f I just want to have fun, mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. So, like, out of the many different methods I feel like this is something I want to do because then I can also enjoy the process uh, yeah. instead of feeling that I'm just working I mean being a producer maybe is more of this very practical work which when it's something like this you are at your curator and producer you're also like contacting the beers for sponsorship and stuff and PR yeah, yeah. so if it had been a bigger production maybe you could have focused on the curation and like focused on the artists but yeah I mean but I think it's really nice to hold on to this to approach it like an artwork not just as a facilitator job yeah. because it is a little bit like um, this is your work so the artists become part of the material that you work with of course it's live material there is like ethics and agency but it's still mm. like you are shaping the experience of this show as like this installation of sculpture right that people can can experience mm. i know we talked a lot about before that i feel like um booking concerts shows <laughs> or like uh, lineups for parties or something like this like um even though it's not fine arts they don't call it curation they call it booking within music But I feel it's the same. It's the it's same job. Creating the experience. It's after all. creating the experience. So you envision like what kind of experience do I want to create? Who is the audience? Mm. What artists fit into the red thread that I want to present? Because these mm. different uh, DJs or whatever it can be, you know, you know how they play. You're not going to tell them what to play. You're not going to be like, yeah. The, but you might say like, it's a warm up. Uh, your warm-up warm slot in the lineup or like I'm giving you the high point of the party or yeah. so that they know and they will maybe know who the other people are in the lineup so they will also eat, I think eat that's position. actually something I, I want to improve in okay mm. to give better context mm. to kind of put more effort in thinking what I want to show uh, if I'm in the role of a curator mm -hmm. and I would say that this project itself, it's pretty, like for me, it's quite um, a lot of trying out, and mm. um, I want I don't I want to avoid the word experimental, but it is. Um, well, I think everything we do should be slightly experimental because I tend to get really bored if I already know something really well and have done it many times. Mm -hmm. So I think experimental is not a bad word. I think it means being curious and keep wanting to expand and evolve. And yeah. those yeah. are positive words <laughs> in my world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I mean, you don't want to say it as in I didn't know what I was doing, like experimental as well, we as were a, just like well, having a at, some point, <laughs> at some point, um, one of the artists gave me a feedback that, like, um, that she thinks that maybe I don't know what I'm doing. While, like, after like, the show was on or while no, you were in the process? No, during the process. Okay. And, and um, like, they first thought that. And then I was like, well... That's pretty, like, whew. It's, I mean, I mean it, it's straightforward, first of all. But I was like, yeah, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Because I was so much in the process, so immersive. Always thinking about all these different parts that I have to decide on. Yeah, there's a lot of balls and, in the air to keep track of. Yes, and maybe... Sometimes there's loose strings that I have forgotten to pull. Oh, definitely. And then I, or, it changes. <laughs> so um, I wasn't too surprised, but I was also like, kind of like, it, it's interesting to hear in a way how um, maybe I do. Like maybe I really didn't know what I was doing because of how new things I'm trying and how mm. I'm working with real people at the same time while trying to create something that I have no idea what that is like I'm trying to create something that I cannot really see so of course I don't really know what I'm doing but I'm going towards it but like, how did you it. deal with getting like having someone question your ability or your position how did you fix it like I know um, it's... I don't think I could fix it okay and I I mean the artist was saying like I mean they were saying this but then they were also saying that that was kind of like how they felt in the beginning but they were okay it was with long... it it was not like you had to reassure uh, them or well it was a long process so they yes, felt that course. and then maybe changed mm. and they had a different impression but then they told me this in a later point so I wasn't really able to you know like do anything at that point point when they okay. experienced that so like for me i didn't need to fix anything it was more like okay well okay like it was not a conflict that arose like uh, hey no. do you even know what you're doing no, 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 no. no okay. but i mean like i cannot prevent people from experiencing something unwanted or like maybe i mean no. something that i what there wasn't my intention during the working process i mean we always want to seem super professional but in reality <laughs> like we are human but, right but we had a really interesting discussion which i find quite um quite just i don't know what i was gonna say but yeah i'm sorry if Cut i interrupted you no 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 no, you didn't you were you were, you were quite quiet <laughs> no it's like we were talking about um how sometimes when we try to stay professional but maybe like deep down we, we didn't know what we we're doing but then it shows like it really shows and i think my insecurities some in this project sometimes shows through um, when I like when I ask them, oh, is this okay? Yeah, like, exactly. Can I do this? Do you think it's uh, yeah. you know like the, this? It shows that maybe I'm not confident on something. Or when you like kind of ask them to weigh in on parts of what should be your position that you should yes. be capable of handling these things yes. and and knowing and making these decisions, and then. Maybe you are just trying to be super democratic and like reach out a hand because <laughs> it's like consent. Yeah, exactly. Like asking for consent, but it's 
this like asking for consent can sometimes have a little bit of a backlash, right? Because yes. it can also be this asking people to take on responsibility. Yeah, or that it's like redundant that you keep asking mm. people something that should be in already implied or right. and then it starts being like socially weirder for it yeah. even though you wanted to just make it really safe so yeah these but yeah. the boundaries are like almost invisible like you kind of you oh, didn't yeah. know until you step on it You're no like, and, uh. and you don't even always know that you've stepped on it or far <laughs> over it like <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm sorry i you almost did a spit take i i made uh really loud right when Gulping tea. So, um, but I mean, no, for me, I speak a lot and like I'm very communicative and very fast working. So I, I have, I think I've often in my life totally like fucked up without realizing and everything <laughs> is happening so fast that like, you know, it doesn't take more than a few words to like fuck up and change people's perce perception of you. And then oh. if you manage to get just so many words in there before you realize. <laughs> You're too fast. It's like, uh, yeah. but um, I think what you said to have the valuable conversation about it, that is key because like none of us are perfect like this. Oh my God, how boring would life be if we would just be great at everything we do all the time. <laughs> um, so, but if you can have the conversation, I mean that this artist was brave and generous enough to actually tell you, even if it was in slight retrospect, but yeah. that they actually told you. I appreciate it. I was not so sure much. you knew what you were doing, but I still mm -hmm. chose to be in the show. Yeah. And I stuck with the process. <laughs> no, but you know, they could have also just never said anything and then chosen to never work with you again. Or yeah. they could have said it to someone else and be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this person knew what they were doing. And like... You know, maybe they, that happened. <laughs> maybe they did. Who knows? But they also told you. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's also a good human thing to remember. Um, if someone steps on your feet or your lines or your borders, they don't always realize that they do it. Uh, so mm -hmm. if someone offends you or like, don't be nagging and too sensitive about everything. But I mean, if it's important for you to like this person and to work with them tell them in a nice way that like hey that was not so cool or mm. that was not enough or i don't yeah, know you know because we don't want a project to be the end of something it like we want to foster like sustainable we want to have good relations exactly and we want to be professional and sometimes we fuck up like i was half an hour late today i'm not good with time <laughs> but like i once had a friend tell me after we had done an intensive project together And he told me, you know what, right now on my time, it's fine. I, it's my studio we're working in and I mean, my schedule is not busy, but honestly, you are so late every time. If we had professionally been working together, you would have been out. Like that would have been it. Yeah. But we are good friends. And for this project, it was okay. But God, you have got to learn it. Like that is mm. not going to work for you. Yeah. And you know, like it's nice that, that Exactly, that he told me, like, hey, right now it's cool, but seriously, if you had been a professional relationship, mm -hmm. I would have dumped you. And, mm -hmm. like, but it was true. I mean, that week I had been, like, super late. <laughs> I'm not so bad anymore. I really am getting a lot better when it's about school or work. Um, but but it's my biggest challenge in life. It's, it's fucking time. It's... Uh, time management and I stuff <laughs> and it's so difficult when you're the one who has to keep track of all the fucking strings and something and all the deadlines <laughs> and all the everything then it's a challenge of life 
it really I think I'm getting way better at it because I chose these jobs where it's so important, it's so crucial. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit like first time I scuba dived. I was really bad at it until I had done it like almost every day for a month. And then I was really fucking good. <laughs> so okay. it's like, I am bad at this. It's not natural for me. It was weird. My body was like, <laughs> no, this is unnatural. It does not <laughs> compute. But then I just did it so much that I became really good at it. And I think maybe I intuitively chose a lot of these like organizer roles to train yourself to like because I knew it was something that I was not good with yeah, yeah. because I, I'm chaotic in my <laughs> own structure <laughs> <laughs> well I, I like how we're ending here. yeah it's good it's it, good it's like it's quite important it is it's quite like yeah and I mean uh, first step is to um, acknowledge your problem right <laughs> <laughs> so to realize what your challenges are um so yeah and actively take on challenges to, yeah and to apologize in- when you fuck up if did you <laughs> uh, did how did you react to this person saying it what was your response if you uh, want to disclose that i i actually don't remember it Did remember you? if I apologized because But maybe I didn't know what I was did you get defensive and be like um, no I was a little bit hurt honestly of course, but of course that didn't stay it was more like okay I would like to know more and I would like to know how that affect your working with me and that's very constructive of you and I asked them because they soon explained that okay later on it was all right it was maybe just in the beginning Mm. and so I just wanted to know like because I feel like if I gave one person this impression probably I also gave the impression like the same impression to the other people so then I was trying to like puzzle this whole kind of so did you ask the others I didn't but I asked them the person who gave me the feedback to like tell me a bit more how they experience it and like how what the problems could be I think that's totally the right approach. I yeah, mean, yeah, but I was because that was kind of in the middle of this whole process, in the kind mm. quite middle point of it. So I don't think I have the headspace to like go to the other two who are always also busy. Was it a vulnerable time in the process? Um, only when that conversation happened, of yeah. course, a little bit, but it, it didn't affect much. And I think it's good. It's and like you, constructive. Yeah. And, and you didn't lose your moxie. Like you're still, you uh, kept going. No, I was just like, yeah, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I, I think there's partially uh, what they said that I would kind of admit that, yes, mm. I, I'm a bit lost sometimes. Like, Yes, I'm kind of on my own. But I mean, it's so strong if you can admit it immediately, because I think if someone told me that it felt like I didn't know what I was doing, I think maybe my initial like survival mode would just be super defensive. (laughs) And then maybe I would spend like half a day at home, like questioning my entire existence and uh, being super blue and dark (laughs) about it. And then maybe after a day or two of sleeping on it. And I think I would callbacks and uh, then I, then maybe I would later be able to but I, I'm not very good at taking critique immediately it needs to like I'm uh, not. it needs to like I'm not absorb a bit you know I, I need to I mush with it too occupied 
my mind was too occupied when yeah. that happened, so I wasn't capable of reacting. Otherwise, I'm quite tender-hearted. So I would, I would actually like, I would maybe be like you. Mm. I have to, <laughs> yeah, react to it. But well, I think, I think I knew the whole time what I was doing. It was just more of this ongoing self-questioning. But Which you like, have, of course. Yeah, like we always, always have that. <laughs> yeah, like kind of judging and questioning myself doesn't mean that I didn't know what I was doing. But no, there's no. a lot of like. Contradiction, maybe in my behavior. <laughs> so of course it shows. Like people feel it, and some people who are more sensitive, they would get affected by it. So yeah, that's the beauty of interpersonal relationships. Like this is so subtle, but playing such a big role in like the working. Yeah, but then again, being too self. Assured and like really assertive can also come off as like someone being like they probably don't know what they're doing because they're way too <laughs> self-confident in well, their I position, you know. <laughs> so like it's a fine balance of like standing up to your shortcomings or, and not like it being insecure and and showing that you are. <laughs> I don't know. It's really uh, <sighs> yeah, but I do think. <clears throat> taking the conversation with someone like someone saying to you it felt like you didn't know what you were doing means that they have decided that you do know what you're doing enough that you can actually have this conversation with them yeah. because if they thought that you were so incapable that you wouldn't even be able to understand what they were mm -hmm. saying they would have probably not said anything yeah and so even them like saying it to you shows that they they do they give you about. some yeah. um, taking care of me Yeah, but also like they do, uh, what is the, oh, I'm sometimes the English in my brain. <laughs> no, but you know, they estimate that you cannot, you are at least capable of having the conversation right. and to hearing it. So that is like, they do value you as not completely <laughs> stupid, you know, or, or, or do you know what I mean? I, I know. I once had a bad project, like where I was to be part of a project and the organizer role this director role of the project was not good at what he was doing yeah. and I'm, I'm not gonna like disclose what it is here on the podcast but I was really frustrated and I tried to talk to him about it and he didn't understand and so in the end I didn't even try to talk to him about it anymore because mm -hmm. it was like talking to a wall he was oblivious to the critique mm -hmm. he was so incapable of performing this role that he was in that he also couldn't even like understand the mistakes he was making no matter how many people tried to tell him mm. and like I definitely was bitching about him to the other people because they also were bitching about it and I considered leaving the project and you know it's such a shame when someone is like just like yeah so incapable that you, yeah. they, you can't even explain to them how mm. they are failing Because first of all, like to communicate about this, it's also quite a lot of. It takes a lot. <laughs> honestly, no, it takes work. a lot. Yeah, it takes yeah. a lot. It's emotional work. It's time. It's focus. You know, it's. Mm. It's also vulnerability. What kind of? It's quite also vulnerable for the person. Also, who is communicating to you know like disclose themselves and. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all my friends, if you ever discuss something with me and you feel like I am 
like weirdly offensive or defensive about something and that it's like I'm not listening probably in retrospect I did listen it just takes a while <laughs> and I I am practicing being better at like uh, coming back to it when it's important and saying I'm sorry I did really hear what you were saying and now your critique has sunk in it just it took a while are you suddenly confessing on your podcast it's good. it's good I don't know who listens but I mean there might be someone out there who felt they talked to me and thought I was super arrogant and oh. like yeah often it's just in the moment I'm not ready to take it in I am yeah. yeah I heard you yeah. I, I listened so oh yeah I don't know maybe well we're it's pretty good on time still but um How do you want to do now? Do you want to go back in the exhibition and talk more about the works? Or do you want to wrap it up? Is there some areas of this whole topic or your process that I didn't ask you about, that you wanted to talk about? Mm, I feel like you magically touched upon everything I wanted to share. Good curation of a podcast. I, I, <laughs> I mean, of course, I could talk more about the works, but I think... I'll leave it here. Yeah. We forgot to explain how this room looks that we're in. We're in the kitchen. There's black walls. There's a lot of like graffiti tags on one wall. A cute red cat is drawn. And oh. there's like a little bit of trash sorting and some mess. Yeah. It it gives off the good vibe of like artist run low key space. Yeah. But it's not too fancy. Well, but we got, we've got everything we need. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it's a well-functioning space, yes. I'm sure. Yeah, unfortunately, when you listen to this, the, the show will already be over. Um, so we did talk about all the artists and the works enough, right? We don't... I, last time we did. We did, yeah, perfect. So, so just then, don't cut those out. But no, I don't cut, cut anything. Oh, what about the blank? Oh, I cut the blank. That was a good, <laughs> It was quite a long time. It was. <laughs> yeah. This is a fun blank you can leave it and people okay, can just have bad a or, It's bad audio. People will get really bored <laughs> or think that there's something wrong with their phone. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. The attention span of like how long breaks you can do in people's ears is actually like... It's not the same like if it's a video. You can take really long breaks when there's even oh. a still screen but people mm -hmm. still know it's happening. But when it's in your ears, it's yeah, like... Yeah, they're a, like, next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, but there might be... You have some website or social media or something that you want to share? Yes, I could send you, like... Yeah, you can also say it so people can hear it. Can you remember what it's called? Um, I will well, also add the links. Yes, but basically I'm posting on my own accounts. So on Facebook, it's my name, Chiton Lin. And on Instagram, it's my other name, Wendy Lests. That's the account name. And the... Um, well, if you go from my <laughs> link, from <laughs> well, my account, you'll see the artist's account. But... I Yeah, we will add links. So that, shall we name the name of the artists again? The artists are Amanda Lono and Nora Let the Wally and Minji Huang Kim. Yes. Yeah. So we will add. We will ask them what links they want to share of their website and social media. Add them. Mm -hmm. We'll add a link to Uyur Galleria, so people can check that out. Um, so 
when you listen to this, you if you check some of these places, I'm sure you can see documentation of this show. If yes, you want we to. have nice documentation. Photos. You have been done really by busy. Nora. I yeah. <laughs> I mean no, but like I'm, I'm your Facebook friend, but I'm seeing like daily updates with like texts and pictures. I feel like people are, might be annoyed at this point. Where are they? Oh, Thanks for No, but I mean like that's part of the curation, right? That you are curating this as an online experience for those who cannot come here so they remotely can actually experience the work a lot. I try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not stopping myself. I was just <laughs> I will like stop. <laughs> in, in between people's visits, I'm like just making new posts and because yeah. I did have all these I have you know like when you have a long a long curatorial text longer than a usual curatorial yeah, text. Yeah, because you have a lot of uh, like materials and like writing and for yeah. all, all three artists mm-hmm. uh, aside from the, the general one. There's just too much text. And I'm, I've been thinking <laughs> like, how do I... Because even in the space, I don't expect people to read everything. No, I provide I these printed yeah. uh, A4 papers that people could take if they want. Mm. But... I don't think you need to read everything of, oh, I, I shouldn't say this, I'm not encouraging this. I encourage people to read everything, but if you can, it's fine. But like the online experience, it's the format really matters, like how, like how I want to present the text. I, if I want to put it on a website and link people there, or should I make it into these slides on Instagram with like bigger font yeah. size? So people can easily see like a sentence or something. Shorter or, quotes or longer yeah, pieces or of text. Or put it in the, the caption or, mm-hmm. you know, like there's so many different options. So many considerations and about then presentation. I went with, yeah, yeah. And I went with one for like one option. I was like, okay, I think, well, it's not really readable, maybe not accessible to many, but aesthetic wise, I like it. But then the, the, this next day, like I'll, I'll be like, oh, I think I should make a new one. But so, so that that's just been the. I think this will not cease until the last day, or maybe like the next week. But also now you have decided it as a method for this process, right? I like, hate it. I mean, with PR, you always decide on like a method or a format or a style for any kind of project, and then you decide on like this is part of like the the profile that I am showing yeah and so there is a lot of consideration that goes into this people who are content creators online and stuff they know that like it's it seems like nothing i'm in my content creation era right now yeah yeah i've never been that active on my social media i mean at one point with one project i made a post and my friend was like I was like, okay, now I'm done. And he was like, whoa, so what? That only took one hour. And he was being like super sarcastic. I was like, yeah, that was actually super quick. Often it takes three hours because you have to select the photos and you have to write the text and then you have to find all the links, check all the hyperlinks that they write and you have to like do all the tags and then you have to check the text again and edit it. And then you have to like edit the order of the photos so they are showing in the right way. And often you know, after posting, you have to edit two times. Yeah, sometimes. Because sometimes there's mistakes. And you have then after posting, you have to like repost it in multiple other places. Yep. Yeah, it's really like the 
PR side of thing is like, oof, it takes so much time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to stop at some point. Every yeah, anxious. but also the show will be over after this weekend, right? So <laughs> thank God it's not like a week, a month. But at least you did all the good documentation during yeah. the thing. So you have already spammed the internet with it. You don't have to do it after. I have work like projects and things where I'm so behind on like mm -hmm. advertising the documentation. Really good at advertising in advance to like make sure I get some traction for the event. I'm so bad at remembering. Hey. Hi. Hi. I'm gonna give a workshop here. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. That was a form. Yeah. But yeah, so bad at like remembering to post the documentation in in due time. You should do it like in the week after or something. That's <laughs> with Kino Club. We are pretty good. We have a system. But on my own things, I still didn't post documentation or any follow up after my graduation performance. Maybe you can do it soon <laughs> yeah i mean now that you remember yeah maybe i can do it soon maybe i can soon finish the documentary from simple where i interviewed you last time that was only two years ago <laughs> time flies yeah fuck okay yeah and also maybe we can end this podcast <laughs> i think it's time it was good yeah 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 no but it's 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 less than two hours in total i think mm -hmm. or around two hours it's yes, perfect that's, that's how we perfect. that's how we roll um yeah any last remarks no um i just want to thank you <laughs> yeah sure i want to thank uh, yeah thank you uh and thank you for listening and i also want to thank the artists for the trust yes um thank you for people who came are you prepared like an award yeah, we are also done now. It's yes. just podcast recording. Yeah, you can. You can, you can do, do what you yeah. want. Do I need some key? Do you know? I don't think so. You can try opening it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. But thank and you for talking about this. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Uh, okay. Ciao. Ciao. Thank, thank you for, for listening. Hope, Hope you enjoyed it. it.